You're listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast, hosted by Joe Hunter on the Sound of Life at soundoflife.org. It's the best of the Cup of Joe Morning Show. So we're moving right along here, getting April done. I'm like, whoa, easy now. This is the exciting time of the year. You don't want to rush us. You know, these cold mornings make you appreciate it when it's a little bit warmer in a couple of days. It would be pretty amazing. Today is officially PB&J Day. There's not a mom around that doesn't know what PB&J is. 3,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They say in a lifetime. I do that in about a year. I'm like, really? That's what they were saying. Uh, grape is the favorite jelly flavor. My favorite happens to be my favorite. It's pretty amazing. 59% of us prefer the creamy over the crunchy texture of peanut butter. Yeah, I would have guessed at least that, probably more. I, I'm i a nut person. I love nuts. Thank God I'm not allergic to nuts. I really, I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> so I like the I like the crunchy kind. But in my house, it's the big old jar of creamy because everybody else says to have creamy. So that's the way it is. It's okay. And uh, most of us admit to having just skipping the jelly and just eating the peanut butter right out of the jar. <laughs> this is pretty much the way it is. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. You're as funny as a cry for help. The sound of life. So Carter is five years old. He is um, he, he has a tough time with crowds because he is a uh, functioning, he's a high-functioning autism, ADHD, and his parents know kind of to watch out for when he's around crowds, any kind of social situation, really. They went to the park down in New Jersey on a pretty nice March day, near the end of March there. You know, you wear your uh, ski jacket, you wear your jacket and stuff, and you look at the middle school kids, they got shorts on, so you figure, hey, that's cool. But they went there, there was really nobody around. Carter has a hard time with social situations. He's a functioning autistic. He has ADHD and stuff, so his mother was admitting that later. Um, and they were there for about 30 minutes. He was at the skate park, and he's got, like, they call it a razor. My boy's had some That's like a skateboard, but it has a handle on it, you know. Very dangerous for adults. <laughs> Stay off of them. <laughs> anyway, take it from your spirits. So uh, all of a sudden, all these uh, the group of middle schoolers started coming in with their skateboards and stuff, and he started getting nervous. And so he's thinking, well, I guess we're going to have to leave. But right away, they included him. They came over and started showing him things, you know, how to do stuff to do on the skateboard and stuff. They found out that it was his birthday, so they sang happy birthday to him. And I want to tell you something that will make you weep is watching middle schoolers care for a five-year-old and getting together and singing happy birthday to him. It was like, that's like an act of God. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, they were really just very impressed by the kids' willingness to include Carter, they probably had no idea how tough a situations were, social situations were, and what was going on on the inside of him. And uh, the police basically said, you know, these kids showed the care and compassion of superheroes. So we want to throw them a pizza party to recognize their superhero status. Whoa, that's pretty cool. And and the video has gotten out all over the place. It's pretty pretty amazing you know good news needs to be celebrated something like that when somebody shows and gives of themselves and they didn't have to do that and you know what topped it all off they gifted him with a skateboard man oh, it is. the sound of life i was talking about monopoly and they've improved it i guess it was just a matter of time the classic 
board game that every parent uses to crush their child when their six-year-old, say, figures out, oh, we're going to play Monopoly, not realizing psychological damage that will occur when dad crushes them when takes all their property and things. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but this new uh, fully immersive Monopoly, I think it'll probably catch on. You have holograms and uh, the interactive technology and stuff, you know, and you walk through that. The only scary part would be the villain thing. They kind of added that in there. You have a villain, somebody's trying to steal Mr. Monopoly's diamonds, and you have to foil them. I don't know how that works, but it will never, ever... You know, increase the impact, the dramatic impact that that board game has had. And Dr. James Dobson has one of the best stories ever when his daughter, Danae, was in college. She went off to college, came back, and announced that weekend there is a fantastic new board game, and we must play it. I will go get it. We will play it after supper. And Dr. Dobson, you know, James, dad, said, well, what is it, honey? And she said, it's called Monopoly. And he said, inside, I just lit up. <laughs> I said, I wasn't going to tell her that it's not new. I am an expert at this. And so he said, she'll learn the hard way. There's something that's very, that side of our heart that, that's evil starts coming out when given the opportunity in a board game like that, I do believe. And so uh, after supper, they sat down and went to task and played for hours and hours, of course, and he he said, I just crushed her. I had all her property and stuff, and then everybody was all mad at me, you know, because I had all the money and everything, and I was just rolling high, man. I was living the life, <laughs> and they were all like, I'm going to bed, I'm going to bed, see you and all this. And he realized he was sitting there all by himself with all the pieces of the Monopoly game to have to put away. Maybe this would be one of the benefits of the new interactive one. Just turn it off, <laughs> maybe. But he said, as I put everything back in the box and put the lid back on the box, I realized, isn't that like life and all the things that we acquire, whatever they are, whatever level they are, however great they are when we acquire them, one day it's all going to go back in the box. There is nothing we can do about it. Just like that Monopoly game, time after time, years pass, families pass, people pass, all the rewards are going to go back in that box. Something to think about. The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. He talked a little, but he didn't make sense. The Sound of Life. Where were we about chocolate? <laughs> I uh, I only have a little bit in my mouth right now because, you know, when you start talking about it, it just is getting a mood, and, and who doesn't keep a little, you know, emergency? That's that's one thing that's an emergency. You have a flashlight and a piece of chocolate. That's an emergency. You can live off of that, but it's, it's an amazing stuff. Of course, when it was created, of course, by our creator, the uh, cacao bean, uh, way back in whenever things were being created, it was, it's bitter. Yeah, it, it's it's a bitter thing. So you have to know, like Mr. Nestle did, <laughs> how to blend it in with some good stuff like sugar, you know, and make Nestle's milk chocolate. But it was there all along, you know. And it was just sitting there as empires rose and fell and the world passed by. 
It's kind of the way God is. You know, I think about that sometimes when Jesus was on the earth. He knew, of course, what was going to happen in spreading the gospel, thinking about radio, satellite transmission, the ability to broadcast it. Don't you know he was just, he, he started to, to tell the disciples, and then he thought, they're going to really think I'm out there. You know, they don't understand me multiplying fish. So it, it's going to be, so he just said, you know, you'll do greater things than I'm doing. And they must have just been stunned. Like, how in the world is that possible? And and so here's a ton of things. Radio, the ability, the molecules were created to broadcast radio waves, uh, to, to things that we have technology now, the, you know, the ability to, to do that in the, in the created world was there. We just had to figure it out. This is pretty amazing. It's, it's like God, cre- he created us in his image. That is, we create, you know, with what he's given us. We don't create out of nothing like he does. He creates out of nothing. But we take what he's given us in its raw, bitter form and start experimenting with it and working with it. And in our God-given ability and creativeness, uh, I don't know if I said that right, but we just we come up with some pretty amazing things. The psalmist actually said this in Psalm 16. Check it out. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Gifts for us that God put there all along. Love your broadcast. Love your show. Love the station. God bless you guys, and thank you. The sound of life. I have been so impressed over the last 20 years of the church in China and I really think God is showing that as an example. I really think that is a, and they have the heartbeat of God, and it is an example of the church making disciples underground in a, in a place in a government that is totally atheist and destroying church buildings and bringing down symbols just in a huge, huge way, harassing church members, questioning them. And the voice of the martyrs is there in China, and something has happened recently. I mean, they've really stepped up the what is known as persecution, just their effort. And I think, really, they're scared. I, I think that's absolutely what it is. I think the government is scared of a lot of people, just as the Roman government was, just as any government is that doesn't understand following Jesus. And they recently signed a declaration for the sake of the Christian faith, a joint statement by pastors. And they're, they're doing it uh, to present to the Chinese government. And basically it's saying that Christian churches in China believe unconditionally that the Bible is the word and revelation of God. That Christian churches in China are eager and determined to walk the path of the cross of Christ and are more than willing to imitate the older generation of saints who suffered and were martyred for their faith. No sign a statement like that? Well, in a place where that's going to happen, probably. Christian churches in China are willing to obey authorities in China, whom God has appointed and to respect the government's authority to govern society and human conduct. That's the third provision of what they're signing. And so then they say, for this reason we believe and are obligated to teach all believers that all true churches in China that belong to Christ must hold to the principle of the separation of church and state and must proclaim Christ as the sole head of the church. I mean, with so many things going on in the world, so many children affected, so many people 
driven out of their home. You know, thinking of places, you know, storms ravaging parts recently of, of uh, East Africa. And just there's just all kinds of things going on. But that that is one area, I think, where God really has uh, grown his church methodically. People discipling, people meeting in offices on the weekend, meeting in homes. Um, and discipling people, the church is just growing like crazy and being the church of Jesus Christ. It's just uh, incredible in the face of what that government is doing. I think God is showing this is what I can do. This is what can happen. The sound of life. You'd be surprised, probably, people that you don't really associate with, people that maybe see you every day on a regular basis, and maybe you say hi or interact a little bit with, but they probably know more about you and Jesus in you or not than you think. I'm just saying that because that's my own personal experience, you know, and way more than any type of a a T-shirt with a message is you, right? And the Bible says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, Seasoned with salt, life-preserving, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Mm. And how many people I see on TV that I think, you know, I walked out there as who I am, conservative, Christ follower, you know, and gave them a big hug and said, Jesus loves you, and so do I. Wonder how many people's lives have changed. A great way to start your day. The Cup of Joe Morning Show. The Sound of Life. Well, the movie Unplanned Out. And I just kind of smile when I think about all the controversy with the Twitter thing because it just creates a buzz, creates news, and it may be unintended. You know, these social media people, I don't know what the workings are inside these offices and stuff. I don't know what's going on. I don't think anybody does. I don't know what they do. But the, the the movie Unplanned has its own Twitter account, and people were trying to get on. There's actually video you can watch where somebody's on the phone. They're on their Twitter account. It says Unplanned Movie, and it says Follow, and they click Follow. Boom, following. It changes the color, okay? So then you go out, you go out on Twitter and stuff. Then you come back, and then you do a search on Unplanned, and it pops up, and it says Follow. <laughs> And so it's like they have over 100,000 followers, but I guess after it was taken down from Twitter, then it came back, and then it had 100,000, and then all of a sudden it had 10. <laughs> it was So anyway, all of this creates this buzz, and they did about double what they thought they were going to do at the box office over this past weekend. Pretty phenomenal. So I guess, I guess they had about 50,000 Twitter followers that suddenly went, disappeared and twitter officials said oh that's an error (laughs) i just laugh because i just can't help but god is really working it is a true story that movie in case you didn't know is a true story of a real person who was very much alive and active and well right now abby johnson is an up-and-coming young star in planned parenthood and uh she got got asked to see a part of a procedure that she hadn't seen before i guess because somebody was out that day and what she saw in the ultrasound shocked her to the core. And she ended up becoming, uh, as they say, pro-life. And now she really has a ministry called And Then There Were None, which really helps people, workers, who are working for clinics like Planned Parenthood, 
to if they want to get out of it, they can, and they can get new jobs. And she helps them. It's, that's a real ministry. As she found out, she walked through it herself. And she learned so much about it that when she speaks, which she does a lot of, you need to listen to her. Because when she talks to you as a person that is pro-life or talks to you as a person who is pro-choice, you need to listen to what she has to say. Because I think it's very important. Now, they made the movie about this. The man who funded the movie said, I want it to be first class. It has gotten really rave reviews uh, from just some third-party impartial people that give rape movies. Amazing. The actress who plays the part of Abby Johnson's name is Ashley Bratcher. Young actress. I don't know how they picked her. I didn't know anything about her. She's an actress. Ashley Bratcher. She said, um, I was born, my mother was 19 when she got pregnant with me. I knew that. And my mother told me that she got pregnant when she was 16, but she decided not to have that baby. And she said, that's basically... That was it. That was all I knew. And I, you know, I love my mom. I talk to my mom all the time. I tell her about what I'm doing. And I got this part in this movie. And I called my mom and I said, Mom, I got a part in it. I'm going to be playing this person named Abby Johnson who, you know, worked for Planned Parenthood. And then she saw it and she was telling her about it and stuff. And her mother said, I have to tell you something. She said, You know, I told you that when I was 16, I got pregnant, I decided not to have that baby, and then I had you when I was 19. What I didn't tell you is that I was going to end that pregnancy, too. And she was in the clinic, ready to go, to terminate, and she decided not to. And here is Ashley Bratcher. Boy, that shook her. I don't know what... I mean, I, I guarantee you that when her mother said that, that was a mark in her life that was the pre-mother reveal and the after-mother reveal of her. It's amazing how God works in the lives of people who get involved with how God's working in other people's lives. So never miss an opportunity to, to get involved where God's working because you get to see God work in ways that will just... Blow your mind. Hey, this is Crowder, and you're listening to Cup of Joe Morning Show. It's my favorite. It's how you start your day, and your day is going to get better and better. Certainly, the janitor is something we think about. I've done that for a little bit, for a while. Um, I, I really have. I worked with my wife. Um, and I, I'm telling you, it's no fun cleaning up after people, and that's basically what you're doing. Cleaning up the messes, cleaning up the bathrooms, you know, emptying the trash cans, things like that. Usually, you're by yourself. Who wants to do that with you? You know, not a big fun thing. Uh, but, uh, this one particular man named Hayes Mabry. I'm thinking as soon as I saw that name, I thought that is old school right there. Hayes Mabry coming up on his 80th birthday. Been doing that for years, walking those buildings every day, making sure it's clean. You know, he showed up to work one day and guess what he found? It wasn't a mess. It was a mess. He he was the mess because there were 800 students lining the hallways with handmade cars and banners, blowing noisemakers, and singing a full-throated happy birthday for his 80th birthday. They handed him so many cards, he filled several buckets. What a surprise. Somebody had an idea, and they said, why wouldn't it be cool to do that? Think about that. Empathize with that man 
right there and what he does and what he has done for us and what he has surely put up with. And they said, yes, let's wish him a happy birthday and give him a card. What a tangible example. He was heard to say simply, <laughs> yeah. The sound of life is priceless to me. The sound of life. Let's enter a 13-year-old boy who uh, loves Xbox, just like all kids, teenagers do. And, uh, you know, he's working hard and stuff, and he feels for his mom. His mom is named Crystal. She's been struggling to make ends meet. Their family basically had to start over. It's tough, uh, you know, and uh, he's a he's a teenager right there, and he sees his mom. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing, that's, that's what you would call a good kid right there. So uh, he knew that his mother needed a car. She's not able to buy a car. When's the last you as a parent you you can't afford something but your teenager is going to make sacrifices to step in and do that. I'd love to hear that. He reached out to this woman who was who wanted to sell her car. Basically it was a car she just kind of wanted to get rid of. It was a 1999 Toyota Metro. I thought, "What? It, 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 it it's not I mean, you look at it you go, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen those around." That's a, not a bad-looking piece of transportation. I mean, when you got nothing and then you get that, you're 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 living it. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, so uh, he offered. He said, "I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I've been working and uh, making some money, and I'd be glad to trade my Xbox and some money. Uh, I've been doing yard work, made the money." And uh, I house cleaning for people in the community. That's what he's been doing. Man, he's a first class. Uh, and uh, the woman was like, well, okay. They negotiated a little bit, and she accepted his offer and drove the car over to his house. And he got a picture taken in front of it, and he said, Mom, I'm going to do this for you. I don't know how a 13-year-old buys a car, but I'm sure at DMV somehow, when that great story like that, I want to buy a car for my mom who can't afford it. <laughs> Like, well, we'll get you fixed up. It's okay. The sound of life. So I got this. Uh, I saw this ad. I saw this post this morning from John Guy. I, I guess he's a pastor, but he was talking about or posting about an advertisement that he saw for a church's Easter celebration. Now, you know, I mean, Easter is one of those things, I guess, from the church's standpoint. You want to do something really good, you know. You want to got you have people coming in. There, there's this tendency to make it an extravaganza. It, it really, I mean, I like it kind of like you do at Christmas. That some some churches can do that, and this mega church somewhere. And I saw this ad. That's what struck a chord, and maybe you did too. Big splash, you know, audio visual ad. I saw it. I don't know if I saw it online or TV, probably. Uh, they're having an Easter egg hunt, first of all, with 150,000 Easter eggs. An Easter egg hunt extravaganza. They have a car show that's going to be part of their Easter weekend. And they've got those real strong guys. forgot the name of them. They come and then they bend metal and all that, the muscle guys, you know, which are really pretty cool for the kids. They love that. And then there's this reenactment of the crucifixion that is just Broadway-style production. You know, with the costumes and the big thing going on and stuff. And when I saw the ad, I almost, I almost hate to say it. I mean, I almost thought it was an April Fool's joke. I, I really did. I kind of, something in my mind was thinking, is this for real? And it is for real. And it is for real. And it made this pastor of, of a regular church, you know, churches that we have for the most part around here, especially compared to some, you know, where down south. Florida, Texas, even the Carolinas, you know, 
Uh, and he said, it made me wonder what I have to offer. He's, he's, he's pastoring a church plant, which I'm assuming is, you know, relatively small. He said, and then I remembered, I get to preach the empty tomb. That's what I got. The sound of life. So you know about the movie, I Can Only Imagine. It is the story of Bart Millard, the Mercy Me lead singer and founder. And uh, quite uh, there's a lot of aspects of that. And I heard Bart talking about that. But uh, here's the thing about just about the movie. Uh, people who went to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention out in California last week heard from the director of that movie. Uh, he's one of the Irwin brothers. I think his name is John. John Irwin, yeah. But it's J-O-N, John Irwin. So he's talking about what happens when a movie is very successful in the United States. And I can only imagine gross more than $83 million. Or like, whoa. So what happens is it gets very popular around the world. Okay? Enter an aspect of China. I have heard for years, I've read people visiting, not, people that have no idea, you know, they're just doing a blog on their visit in China, are very taken by the fact that China, people just import everything that's Western, including movies, Christmas cards, uh, manger scenes. They don't even know what it is. A lot of times, I'm, I'm just saying. So this is one of those movies, because it was so popular in the United States, they want it. So... China gets in touch with the movie people and they say, we want to pay you for the movie and we want to pay to have it translated so we can get the movie into China. I'm laughing like that because basically they are paying to import the gospel into an atheist country. This is one of the most powerful gospel movies ever made because you're looking at a man who was a wreck. Bart Millard's father was a wreck. And Bart said, you know, when he, when Jesus changed him, of course he got cancer and he had to start going through that. And, and he said he changed him so radically that I knew that if he could change this man, he could change anybody. He saw it himself. He said it was astounding. And that's, of course, one of the reasons this song, I can only imagine, came from. And, the movie and all that very powerful transformation movie. And here is an atheist country, self-proclaimed atheist country, now cracking down on churches, destroying churches, destroying crosses. Well, they're destroying the buildings. They're not destroying the church, the church of Jesus by any means. But they are importing this American hit movie. He said, John Irwin was telling the crowd, he said, it, it, it basically, if it's a hit in America, it just goes on autopilot. And so things just start happening. So <laughs> they paid for the right to translate it and distribute it to their people. And, and that, in fact, happened in over a 100 countries around the world. So besides China, which is kind of the highlight, uh, it just, uh, you know, it was amazing. So think about that. When you went to see that and you bought that ticket, you actually helped to get the gospel into China in a way that, only God could set up to work. It's just absolutely incredible. It just makes you just full of joy when you think about it, how it happened. Now, here's something that actually happened at a theater in Australia where it was imported to. After the movie, a Christian woman named Sharon said she went with her son to watch it in the theater, and they were crying, of course, after the movie. And a stranger 
came up to her and said, do you know Jesus? And she said, do you? And the stranger said, no, but I need this in my life. What happened to Dennis Quaid? I need the, he's the actor that played Bart Miller today. I need this to happen to me. And I need someone to explain it to me. <laughs> Have a little seat <laughs> right here. And they had a conversation right in the theater. John Irwin said, what we found is that a movie is an incredible tool of emotional instigation that if you can tell the right story in the right way it really does have the power to change people's lives and of course you going to the movie theater and making it a popular movie see you're basically allowing god to work in other countries in ways that you it all i can say is it blows your mind and don't you know god loves doing stuff like that it's just waking up with a cup of joe i can't stop drinking the coffee i stopped drinking the coffee i've stopped doing the standing and the walking and the words putting into sentence doing the sound of life looking at uh, an account and i highly recommend anything that lee strobel puts his mind to and pen to, to read and he's famous for the case of the case for christ now the case for miracles Jesus said, tell you, if you got the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So, real-life situation. Equatorial Africa, woman in labor in the middle of the night, gives birth to an infant, but she doesn't live through the situation, and they're very concerned. I mean, they are way away from any kind of, well, there's a doctor there, but any kind of pharmacy or hospital medical care. They have very few supplies, but they have children that are there they did have a hot water bottle but it was just old and rotted away and it burst when they filled it with water so it wasn't going to make it and they were really put on the spot and the missionary said um okay kids let's pray you know so they had this 10 year old named ruth who prayed this prayer please god send us a water bottle It'll be no good tomorrow, God. The baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. Then she said, and while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? That was the two-year-old that whose mother just passed away as she was giving birth to her sister. And the doctor, Dr. Helen, I'll call her, she said, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just did not believe that God could do it. Oh, yeah, I know that he can do everything. The Bible says so. But there are limits, aren't there? <laughs> and the only hope of getting a water bottle would be from a, a parcel sent from the homeland. But I've never received one during the four years that I've been here. Anyway... If anyone did send a parcel, who would put in a water bottle? I live on the equator. A couple hours later, a car dropped off a 22-pound package. The orphans helped open it and sort through the contents. There was clothing for them, some bandages for the leprosy patients, and a bit of food. Oh, and as I put my hand in again, I felt, could it really be? I grasped and pulled it out, a brand-new rubber hot water bottle. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had only truly believed that. He said, I didn't even believe that he could. And he did it. Because 10-year-old Ruth prayed. And so I, uh, you know, Ruth came up running, of course, after I 
screamed out about the water bottle. The doctor said, she said, if God sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly, too. She dug through the package and found it at the bottom of the parcel. Beautifully dressed doll. She said, can I go over with you, mummy, and give this dolly to that little girl so she'll know that Jesus really loves her? (laughs) Can you? Of course you can. A little lesson there for us. The parcel, by the way, was packed five months earlier by the doctor's former Sunday school class. The leader, feeling prompted by God, included the hot water bottle. A girl contributed the doll. And the package, the only one ever to arrive, was delivered the same day Ruth prayed for it. Faith of a little child. Reaching the heart of the Northeast. The sound of life. I just couldn't help but think about the prayer of a 10-year-old girl who really, you know, children take God at their at, at, at face value. Jesus said he can do it, then he's going to do it. It's pretty amazing. And we say, well, yeah, it was months before that God knew what was going to happen. And so he had, you know, he led that person to put those things in the box. But in remember, there's no time where God is. There's no time. He sees everything as it happens. <laughs> That's, I was thinking about that. Everything's happening, and you can't think about that because we I have a puny little brain. That's kind of what it is. Boy. And I was just going to say, ask your kids when you pick them up this afternoon, did you show love and kindness today? So I'm gonna we're gonna indulge in a little bit of fantasy right here. Those of you who travel know that for some reason, you know, you get on a flight going just about anywhere. I mean, you could be flying to Cleveland, you could be flying to uh, Aruba, you could be flying to Ethiopia. It just seems like that is the one plane that everybody wants to be on, and <laughs> you get on it. It is just packed, no matter what size it is. It just seems like we're you know. The, that's the way it is. But recently, a man got on a 737 to find that he was the only passenger, which would be one of the weirdest things ever. But he must have thought, this is actually kind of cool. I should tell you that he was he's Lithuanian, and he was flying in Lithuania to some towns that I can't pronounce. Well, no, he was flying from Lithuania to Bergamo, Italy, for a skiing holiday. And it was back in the middle of March, and it holds like 188 passengers, 737, Boeing 737. Uh, he told uh, the, the travel agency said that it had chartered the plane to fly a group home from Italy and had to av- avoid flying empty. And all the tickets were sold. The only, There was one passenger had bought one ticket. In other words, they had this one person who would be on the plane. It couldn't fly the plane empty. But they had to go to Italy to pick up the charter group to bring him back. So he was the one. <laughs> and uh, he was. They said, we're going to fly you down there. The flight is about two hours. But he did admit, yep, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience right there. And I'm glad that, that you got to be the one to do it. I'm glad somebody actually was the one to do it. Skirmentus. Stramatis. Hey, this is Danny Goki, and you're listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show. So I just found out that if you're in Norway and you happen to own an electric car, you get tons of free stuff that could probably pay off. I mean, I don't know how much it costs, the tolls or anything. I don't know what the what the vibe is like around Norway. But if you have an electric car, you get free public parking, free ferry. That might be a big deal. Free toll road access and the right to drive in the bus lane. 
That's you know, I thought that actually is pretty smart idea. Can you imagine around New York City? I wonder how that would change the landscape of gas-powered cars to electric cars. You know, it's very expensive, as you know. Just living, if you live in New York City, just to go, if you have to go out of your borough to another borough, say in Manhattan, just the tolls and parking, I mean, every day, it's it really is pretty crazy funny, ridiculous. It, I mean, you know, I read an article by somebody, he said, in my own city, it cost me this much money to, just to go to work. It's amazing. But suppose if you had an electric car, you could go, you didn't pay a toll over any bridge, over any toll road. You got free parking. You've been listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast on the sound of life. The Hudson Valley's 100% listener funded Christian radio station. For more information on upcoming events, contests, to ask for prayer, and to become a member of the Sound of Life family by supporting the station, visit us at soundoflife.org.